What is up, everybody? It's the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Rusty Mansell, Kip Adams, also of Dogs 24-7. And uh, we're live on YouTube. Uh, If you're listening to this in a podcast, you don't get to participate. You don't get to see that. But we are live on YouTube. Welcome to everybody who's listening to us and and watching us there. Sorry you're having to look at me. Um, You know, just focus on Rusty and Kip. And uh, that'll be a little bit better uh, option for you there. But, guys, this is our last podcast before Georgia Clemson, before number five takes on number two, Duke's Mayo Classic. Big Duke's Mayo fan here. Tomato sandwich all the way. Uh, Listen, we've broken this thing down so many different ways, but we've got a few more little things we're going to talk about. We're going to offer our predictions at the end of the show uh, and, and, you know, kind of get into that. Um, But, guys, we talked about it before the show. We all kind of got on here and, you know, we get a chance to kind of meet up it's almost like a little mini production meeting before we actually talk and rusty you and i both said it, kind of tired of talking about this game yeah. ready to watch it happen yeah. but what are you watching for rusty as this game is upon us you know i've said it a million times and you've said it and kip said it and you know since this game's been talked about so much since june the first basically when it kind of came into focus like okay this thing's happening but it's whose offensive line plays the best um you know i've talked to Every angle I can talk to, every person I can talk to, I've went back, and this ain't my cup of tea, but I went back and watched the Clemson, uh, you know, Notre Dame game, the Clemson LSU game. Some of those games you kind of felt like the skill set and, uh, you know, how they attacked them. Clemson's coming after JT Daniels. They're going to come after Georgia. That's their that's their MO. Brent Venables is going to bring pressure all night, no question. Uh, whose offensive line, whose backs can pick up, what quarterback can make the correct play to get a check down, uh, catch somebody in a crossing route, a tight end, uh, put a ball in a tight window. I think both front sevens, uh, I think defensive lines specifically for both teams are full of NFL players. I think they're elite. I think they're as good as they are in the country. Um, you know, we, we talk about – I've talked about in several podcasts that I've done, I think that Georgia's strengths are Clemson's strengths. I think Georgia's running backs are good. I think Clemson's running backs are good. I think the D-line for Clemson is elite. I think the D-line for Georgia's elite. Um, you know, I, I think Georgia's quarterback is a really good player. I think Clemson's quarterback is a really good player. The questions are going to be, uh, you know, can those linebackers cover in space for Clemson and can Georgia protect – long enough to give JT Daniels, and can they pick up the blitz? Can they recognize the blitz? I had an SEC coach tell me one time, what makes Jake Fromm so hard to deal with is you don't fool him. He will get you in the right protection. You're not going to fool him. He'll make you pay when you blitz. So can JT Daniels do that? I think that's some of the, the things that we've talked about. I think that's some of the stuff you look at going in this game, which is still the same. Two and a half days from kickoff. Rusty, let me ask you this real quick before we kind of move uh, move on and, and get Kip's thoughts on this. Do you think that playing Mississippi State last year, playing Cincinnati last year, I think there's going to be a different quality of athlete, obviously. Yep. But playing those two teams last year and how they just attacked, 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 four quarters, went after it, they gave up big plays in the back end. They, yep. they kind of gave that up, but they got after JT Daniels and they stopped the run. But do you think you know that experience pays off for JT Daniels in a game like this? I think absolutely. I mean, I've I've made it clear that the lights are not too bright for JT Daniels. I mean, this he is he's played big. I'm talking about he's played national powerhouse, elite level high school football. 
he's played for USC. He's played some big games. He came to Georgia, obviously wanted to play earlier, wasn't able to. He's played a couple games. This is not – the moment's not going to be too big for him. If you're Clemson, you certainly go back and look at those tapes and you find out what those schools did to, to kind of checkmate Georgia, to give JT Daniels some problems, to give the offensive line some problems. Absolutely look at those tapes. It's Georgia's responsibility to say, okay, this is what we did. This is what Clemson's going to do. We better get this fixed or we're going to have another problem. So all those things – I tell you what, Jake is, and, and Kip, I'm sure you'll agree. The game within the game. What what does Clemson show Georgia that they haven't shown before? What does Georgia show Clemson they haven't shown on tape before? All those things, all those new situations like that are things where you look and say, hey, how's this game going to play out? Uh, but I think you look at JT Daniels and those games, uh, you look and say, okay, this is what we did wrong. This is how Clemson's going to come at us. How do we counter that? Kip. How do you see this game? Is it going to come down to the long snappers? <laughs> Man, it just might. And uh, obviously, it, it you know it's good news for Georgia. They they return basically their entire special teams unit out there. So if it comes down to special teams, you know I really like where, where Georgia is in that aspect. But I mean, Rusty hit the nail on the head. Uh, for, for Georgia, it's it's really going to come down to that offensive line play and how well they're able to. You know, to pick up the pass rush, and you got some some young guys that are going to be seeing their first real, real-time action, looking at Cedric Van Pran, looking at Tate Ratledge, you know, that interior of the offensive line. You kind of know what you're going to get on the outside. You can depend on those guys, but, you know, what's going to happen on the interior? And, and for, for Clemson, I mean, obviously, a lot of discussion lately on Tyler Davis. You know, is he going to be able to play? That's a huge huge part of, of Clemson's defensive line. And, and if for some reason he's not able to go on Saturday, which as of, you know, we're recording this right now, we have no idea. I mean, that's a huge loss for Clemson. All, the discussion all week is, you know, the last two weeks has been Georgia down a couple starters, you know, uh, can they overcome the guys who are not going to be able to line up? That's a big, that's a huge, huge loss. If Tyler Davis, for some reason is not able to line up. But if he is, I mean, Georgia has to be ready for that because that defensive line is going to bring it, and their their goal is going to be to get in JT Daniels' face early and often. You know, I think there's there's going to be some times where he's going to have to make smart decisions with the football. You know, if he's got a guy coming at him and he can't get the ball away, he might have to eat it. You know, once or twice, and not try to not not try to go through his release and and have a ball either. You know. Uh, knocked away, fumbled, or, you know, batted away, and maybe an interception there. So that's going to be the key early on. Can JT stay cool and calm under pressure? Like you guys said, he's seen it before, but, I mean, this is a this is a different animal here with Clemson's defensive line. It's, it's not a group that, you know, he's really seen other than going up against the ones in practice for Georgia. And for both these teams, this is the best defensive line either team is going to see all year other than their own practice. Uh, that's an interesting aspect. If there's any, you know, any two teams that are ready for something like that, it's these two teams. They've been able to prepare for it all offseason with the guys they already have on the roster. I just think, you know, in the end, I, I, Georgia's offensive line, if they are who we think they are, they should be ready for this task. It's still the big question mark. I mean, this is a big game. This is one of those, you know, tone setters for the whole season. So, I think for for JT Daniels, just being okay with taking a loss is really, really going to be the key early on in the game because I think later on in this matchup, 
there's going to be some things that are going to open up downfield and he's going to be able to, you know, the, the take some chances out there and potentially get, get a guy or two that, you know, breaks free of coverage, you know, breaks free of contain because, you know, they might start trying to get a little bit more aggressive later in the game. If it's a tight game, they may take a chance. If they take a chance, he just has to be ready to get, the, to get that ball down there and potentially make a big play. So that's really what I'm looking looking for right now because overall, almost every one of these position groups, I mean, it's nullified by, by, by the, you know, the position group on the other side. There aren't a lot of clear advantages in this game. So, I mean, this is really – this is a chance for Todd Monken to really put his stamp and say, you know, this is my offense. And it's really a chance for Kirby Smart to say, this is Todd Monken's offense. And that's something that's been the narrative. Uh, will Kirby Smart allow Todd Monken to, to really, you know, open things up? Well, I mean, this is that opportunity. You're not going to get a bigger stage than this for Georgia to show that, guys, this is not just a, you know – Two, two runs and then, you know, then a play action or, you know, run, run and draw plays on third and long. All the plays that have kind of frustrated the fan base in the past. This is kind of that game where in this chess match where you're going to see really what Todd Monken's all about and, and why they brought him to be the offensive coordinator at Georgia. Yeah, I like that take, Kip, and, and I'll, I'll add to it with this. In case Georgia fans have forgotten, second quarter basically against Missouri, and four quarters against Cincinnati, JT Daniels showed how tough he is. He's a tough kid. He's going to take some hits in this game, but he got rocked a few times in those two games, got right back up, continued to play, and played well um, more often than not. And I think that's something that's going to come down uh, to be key in this game. I think we'd be, you know, kind of, you know, negligent not to uh, mention, you know, Ron Corson, Georgia's head um, athletic trainer, head of sports medicine, associate athletic director, um, did test positive for COVID. We don't know yet if that's going to have any impact on Georgia's positive test. They're going to test today at some point. Now, just to kind of lay it out there for you, if if players have been vaccinated, they don't have to test unless they have symptoms. They don't have to do surveillance testing today. So that's 90% of the team, 90-plus percent of the team, does not have to participate in surveillance testing today if they have no symptoms. But players who do have symptoms and players who are not vaccinated do have to test. And we'll see what the what the uh, outcome of that is. I mean, I know that several Georgia players, I know JT Daniels, I believe Jamari Sawyer, uh, you know, those guys did tell us in the preseason that they were vaccinated. So that's a good sign. And, and it's a good sign Georgia has that number of guys vaccinated as it pertains to this game because of the, the fact that it could come down to, you know, maybe some guys being available for Georgia that maybe weren't in a game last year. Um, but obviously I'm watching for that to see how that impacts Georgia. The Tyler Davis situation I think is massive and you get the neither confirm nor deny. That usually means a confirmation, but you, you know, listen, there's a lot of gamesmanship going on here and we'll just have to see what Tyler Davis' status is. I know this Tyler Davis is unable to play. I think Georgia's offensive line has a much better shot of, of getting the run game going of pass protecting if he's not in there because Clemson's just not very deep on the interior. They're really deep at the edge positions. Mm -hmm. But Tyler Davis is is a – I mean, he, he's a good one. And if he's unable to play, then that kind of sets him back a spot. One of the things that I'm watching, guys, going into this game, and to me it's, it's not necessarily the key matchup, but I think it could ultimately kind of come down uh, to an X factor is – 
is Dan Lanning and, and his plan for this game? Because I think there are going to be 50-50 plays made, right? I mean, I think Clemson, those 6-3 receivers, they're going to go up and make a play on you. But I think Dan Lanning's plan in this game from a pressure standpoint, from a, a third down standpoint, I think is something that we haven't really talked about. I haven't really heard Dan Lanning's name mentioned at all uh, you know, in the breakdowns up into this game. And I think that the plan that Dan Lanning, Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp, Glenn Schumann, those guys put together, like I said, for third down, obvious passing situations, pressures, I think it's going to be huge because coming up with a sack on third down, Rusty, mm-hmm. Kip, you know, you know how it is. If it's third and five and you bring, you come up with an eight-yard sack, I don't know, man. It sure seems like big punt returns have to happen after plays like that. Those are momentum-grabbing plays. And, and you know, I think that Georgia needs to find a way to get consistent pressure and to make that big third down play to force the bad throw or the interception or, or whatever it is. And I think a lot of that's going to come down to plan because we know Georgia has – the athletes, you know, they've got Jalen Carter and Devontae Wyatt and Trayvon Walker. And I bring those guys up instead of Jordan Davis because I'm talking about third down. Yeah. Uh, but Nolan Smith, Adam Anderson, um, you know, I'm really interested to see what that plan is and how aggressive they are against DJ Uyangalale because I think that there's a chance for Georgia to, to make some hay there. And, and it's, a, it's ultimately when you can make hay in a game like this, you can give yourself an advantage. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. We're going to go into a break in just a minute, but before we do, real quick, guys, each of you, starting with you, Rusty, freshman, not named A.D. Mitchell, who do you think has the biggest impact on this game and season from Georgia's freshman class? I always want to get this one out of the way and let everybody kind of make a little prediction there. Mm, you're talking about this game and then the season? Yeah, sure, yeah. Give me give me two if you want. Uh, Well, I mean, for this game, it's – I don't know if there's going to be a lot of freshmen going on other than A.D. Mitchell. Uh, it's, just to be honest with you, I think Broderick Jones is going to get some series at left tackle. I really do. And I think you start looking at, you know, a left tackle of, of you know, he's a redshirt uh, freshman. But you, you start looking at those guys and some of the younger kids you expect to play. But uh, this is a very upper-class team, very seasoned team for Georgia. Um, so I, I'm not expecting a ton of impact other than – Maybe A.D. Mitchell, and I hate to go to that name, said I couldn't, but that, that's the Hey, that's don't the forget about guy. your X Factor. Don't that's forget about guy. your X Factor here. Let me let me get to him. So, but I'll get to I'll get to Lad McConkey, and this is a guy that you know we haven't. I I certainly haven't shied away of how good of a fall camp he's had. He's going to get targets. He's going to get touches. He's going to be involved in special teams. So, uh, you know, you look at all those guys, and it's hard to to forecast how things play out. But I certainly feel confident. Uh, at the wide receiver position, they're going to get some plays from, from from freshmen. But I think Broderick Jones is a guy that's really that X factor as a redshirt freshman. If he takes over that left tackle position, it it allows Georgia to do so much flex, flexibility-wise, sliding Jamari Salyer probably back inside, uh, giving him a guy that can, you know, he can do some snapping, he can play guard. He's just a, he's just a, a five-tool player for them, does everything. So I think Broderick Jones is that X factor, but we're going to go uh, in this game. I think you're going to see some plays out of that that, that those freshman guys, and I'm not shying away from Lad McConkey. We'll see if he'll make a play Saturday night. Kip, who you got, man? I'm actually going to uh, choose the same guy for this game and the season. And just looking at the rotation, I think a guy that's going to get a lot of snaps and get even more snaps as the season goes on is Brock Bowers. Just because of his skill set, 
just because of you look at last year with Florida and what Cal Pitts, he was that offense for Florida. And I'm not, and Brock Bowers is a true freshman. You know, he's got a ways to go before he maybe becomes the focal point of an offense. But that's the skill set you see in him, a guy that you can line up anywhere on the field and they're going to have trouble covering him. And for a team that right now is still pretty deep in theory at wide receiver as far as pass catchers go, they're going to be still looking for guys to make big plays. And so I think as far as the opportunity in this game, you know, with Darnell Washington, you know, not being able to to suit up yet, Brock can go in there and, you know, make a name for himself, but also, you know, just earn the trust of JT Daniels. And if you do, I mean, if, if you make big plays against Clemson, JT's going to call on you throughout the season when he needs to. And so I think this stage is set for him. And it's a, it's a, a great guy to watch in this game and for the year, just because of everything we've heard all off season is that Brock Bowers, you know, physically speaking has everything you look for in a pass catcher. And now he's going to have the opportunity to do it, you know, in, in the toughest matchup of the regular season. So if he makes big plays in this game, if he, you know, if he comes out there and has three catches for 55 yards and maybe a score, I mean, that sets him up for for a breakthrough, you know, breakout freshman season and and potentially, you know, college career. He could be a guy that's, you know, that's really going to be the focal point of opposing secondaries down the road. A lot to ask of a true freshman, obviously, but it's just if he's got the skill set, then, you know, the opportunity is definitely there in this game to, to make a lot of plays and, and to really, really become a household name by the end of the year. I like it. Uh, yeah, I do too. I, I like the Brock Bowers one. If I was picking, the, if I broke this down into the true freshman, redshirt freshman, I'd say Brock Bowers game sure. one and the year outside of AD Mitchell. Uh, I also think Kamari Lasseter. I just get the feeling he's going to be a, a he's going to be a big part of what Georgia does by the end of the football season. So I would keep an eye on that guy too. If I'm going redshirt freshman, I'm saying Cedric Van Pran and and uh, Cedric Van Pran, Cedric Van Pran Granger. Uh, I think it's listed differently on Georgia's roster than it is on the back of his jersey. Uh, but I believe he's going to be Georgia's starting center in this game, and it doesn't get more important than that. And I don't know to the naked eye, to the, to the you know, to the guy who flips it on uh, every, you know, just going to flip the TV on at you know seven twenty nine on ABC Saturday and watch it, and then flip it off right after, and not really you know follow anything else. You know, more power to that guy. Casual fans, big fans, doesn't matter. I don't know that they're going to really get a true read on how impactful this guy is on this game. Uh, but I've just heard so many good things about this kid since he enrolled. Um, he's an impressive young man. He's he's big. He's powerful. He's athletic. And and I think if he does have the standout game that I think he can have in game one and, and have the impact and play well, then he might have a chance to do it all year long too. And, and I think that that matters. And I think that he's a guy that can really have a big impact on this game um, from that center position and do some big things. Let's jump into a break. And on the other side, we're going to predict this thing. I changed my prediction during that 30-second break. I went back and forth like three times. Like, nah, I didn't change it at all. I, I've kind of known where I was going to go with this thing since Wednesday. Um, and, uh, you know, if you listen to Wednesday's show, then you know who I'm probably going to pick, but I still got to give a score. Rusty, you're up first, man. Let's pick the score, obviously the winner, the score, mm. and who's going to be most responsible for it. Mm. Man, 
you know, I picked Georgia to go 12 and 0. I think, I guess, first time I've been a 24 7 employee and been working with dogs 247 this year. And I did that on August 1st. I did that with anticipation of uh, Eric Gilbert playing, uh, Darnell Washington playing, Tyke Smith playing, um, all those things created in there with that. But, um, you know, it's been one of those things where I went back forth and certainly not just going to be around the bush. There's, there's been a lot of time the last week or so thinking, you know what, you probably if you're going to do this right and do it professionally. You probably should pick Clemson. Um, and I went back and forth the last couple of days with this deal, but I, I'm going to stick with my Georgia pick. And, and the reason I'm going to is, is one pretty key variable. I think that doesn't get written about and it's something, that, you know, you don't really kind of, hear about until things unfold in the season. But, man, from everything I hear, this Georgia staff loves this team. They love this team in the locker room. They got leaders. They've got upper-class leaders. You look at guys like Jordan Davis and Jamari Salyer and and all those guys that came back. Those guys could be playing NFL football right now. And they came back. You you know, they start, they start doing this, uh, the hashtag unfinished business as soon as they all did this together. And, you don't come back for a reason, not if you don't believe in your team. You have a really good locker room because uh, they got players. Clemson's got players. Georgia's got players. Uh, this is, this one, the, the Jimmys and Joes are there for both teams. Um, but I just – I've got that feeling about this team that there's something that these guys – you know, I keep hearing the same thing from, from, from people inside that building is, man, we love this team. I think Kirby Smart's even mentioned it a couple times, Jake, when he's talked to the media, like, I really love this team in the locker room. And when you get a complete focused team with 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 upper class players, uh, certainly when you got guys that are, you know, third year starters, you see that thing. JT Daniels, the guys started a lot of games. Look at Zamir White, uh, you know, all over the field. Certainly Georgia's got some injuries. Clemson may be dealing with some things. I just think that a team like that, when their backs are against the wall, they don't fold, they don't panic. Um, they're built for games like this. We'll see, but I'm going to stay with Georgia. I'm going to stay with that pick. Um, I don't think as the summer started, you know, I kept thinking, man, this is going to be a 37-34, 35-30, 31 shootout. Um, but as, it, as things unfold and I dug more into it, and I'll be honest with you, when I saw the Vegas total, I was like, wait a minute. I'm not looking at this thing right. And um, I knew right then that the people that have those big buildings in Las Vegas for a reason, uh, when they think it's going to be a low-scoring game, I dug into it a little bit more, and I certainly think that's the case. And, I, you know, I'm going to take Georgia uh, 24-20. I think I'm going to take Georgia 24-20. Um, I think it's going to be a game up and down. It's going to be some plays here and there. Georgia just finds a way to make one at the end. Somehow, some way, they'll make one uh, defense or offense. They'll make a play late. I think this is going to be a four-quarter game. Nobody's going to have on either side any fingernails left. You know, both fan bases will be emotionally spent, uh, win or lose at the end of this game because there's been so much buildup. Um, you know, I I've been I haven't been critical, but I've been careful, very careful of my comments on JT Daniels. I know he's got a lot of ton around press around him, uh, but I think this is the game that JT Daniels steps to the plate and says, I, I'm who you think I am. There's a reason I've got all this hype. There's a reason I've got these endorsements. There's a reason why people are paying me now to do tweets, do commercials. 
this kid came from California to play in this big time environment. Uh, both of these kids have, he's played in big games. I think this is the game that JT Daniels takes that step forward. And everybody that has any questions about JT Daniels, they get answered Saturday night. I think he makes a couple of big time throws. I said it earlier on a podcast with uh, Jake, we did. Uh, I think Justin Fields was three for three in those deep balls. And, you, and you're only gonna get a, a couple of chances in a game like this. And you gotta hit at least two of those. Uh, in my opinion, I think he's going to hit at least two of those, and Georgia's going to make a couple explosive plays, and they're going to win, and they're going to win on the arm of JT Daniels. There's the pick. The man has said it. Rusty's got it. Let's sign mm. on. No, I'm just playing. Mm. We're not going to sign off just yet. <laughs> Kip, y'all don't uh, do me that way. Y'all don't do. Y'all already <laughs> give me the memo about the company shirts. We're not going to sign off. <laughs> Rusty speaks for dogs twenty four seven. We're out of here. <laughs> Kip, what you got, man? I, I think it's pretty clear. You know, I mean, we say it, it'll happen, but it just doesn't – I mean, it doesn't look like it's going to be a blowout for either team. It's just too evenly matched. And, and so, you know, in the end, you, you really look – like I said earlier, Georgia's offensive line, if, if they can hold up well enough, I, I think it's going to bode really well for Georgia. You look at Clemson, a lot of been made. I mean, the loss of Travis Etienne is – I mean – the fact that they were 11th in the conference and rushing, you know, with the all-time leading rusher in the conference is just an outstanding stat. And then no offense to the Kobe Pace. No, I mean, Will Shipley, those guys, very talented uh, running backs and, and, you know, playmakers. But I have a hard time seeing Clemson really getting a lot out of the, out of the ground game against Georgia's defensive front. Their, their front seven is, is just really strong. So, you know, over the course of this game, it's going to be about grinding it out. Who can extend drives? Who can, you know, get the ball close to that red zone and either give their quarterback a chance to to throw it to the end zone or give their kicker a chance? And so in a situation like that, you know, earlier you mentioned earlier in the week, Rusty, just about how important turnovers are going to be in this game. And you mentioned JT Daniels. I think it's going to be key for him to – not make mistakes. Like I said, sometimes you got to take a sack and give your, your your team a chance to fight another day, whether that's field position or whether that's the chance to kick a field goal. And so, uh, you know, I think that that's where this game's going to go is, as far as just whether you're getting three or seven on the board, you know, continuing to just move the ball down the field and, and give your quarterback, your special teams a chance to, to, to give you some points. And so, you know, in, in the end, I, I do like Georgia in, in those areas. I think they're stronger. I think Clemson's offensive line is solid, but I think it's it, there are really going to be issues, not just for their ground game, but just, uh, you know, D, DJ Ungarle, just, just staying upright. Just, you know, I think Georgia's going to have multiple sacks in this game, and I think they're going to have some, some game-breaking plays in the backfield. And, and so, for me, in the end, I think, Georgia comes out on top with a big play downfield, you know, a, bit, a, a big touchdown pass toward the end of the game to kind of give them the edge. And, and then, you know, Clemson gets the ball with, you know, two, two and a half minutes left. And, and uh, I, I think in the end, Georgia comes up with a big sack or, you know, tips the ball, comes up with an interception. So for me, I think I got Georgia winning 27-24. You know, I got Adam Anderson being player of the game. I think this is a big game for him, a big opportunity, not just to to maybe get a a couple sacks, 
But to show that he can hold up against the run, they're going to try to, you know, attack Georgia outside, not just with their wide receivers, but with the running backs and see if they can stay in front of them and they can make tackles on these guys. And I think that Adam is going to have an opportunity to show that, you know, in this in this last season that, that he can be a complete edge rusher and and attack the edge in the run and passing game. I think he's the guy that in the at the end of the game, you know, when Georgia's trying to hold on to the lead, he makes that big play. Like I said, whether it's a sack or he bats the ball down and somebody comes up, uh, you know, w- with the interception to kind of seal win for Georgia. I, I just think that, you know, th- this is a big opportunity for Adam Anderson to really, really show he's one of the elite defenders, you know, in the entire country. And this is why he came back for that senior season. All right. I'm going to be specific to the point that I'm probably going to put my my backside flapping in the wind here, okay? I think red area defense, okay? I think red area defense is going to win this game. And when I start thinking about red zone defense, which team can play better red zone defense is often going to be the team that does a better job stopping a run. And I think Georgia's going to play better red area defense. I think the offenses are going to do fine. It's not going to be a up and down. You know, I'm like you, Rusty. We talked about it on last podcast. I had this a 30-something to 30-something game, too, and then the more I looked at it, I didn't have it. I'm still going to take the over based on my score, um, despite my tweet the other day about uh, about these two guys not being able to spell out their whole names, both quarterbacks. Uh, but I like Georgia 28-27, and I think I think Clemson's going to score more times, may have more yards. Georgia's going to have more points because Georgia's going to punch it in when they get an opportunity. And I think they're going to be able to hold Clemson to a couple field goals. And the way I see this game shaking out is, you know, I think we're looking at kind of midway through the fourth quarter. Clemson puts puts a uh, drive together, uh, 28-20. They put one together. They score a touchdown. Georgia gets it back. Georgia's able to run the football against a, 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 a worn down, very good, but worn down Clemson front. Keep the chains moving. Maybe punt it back to them for a few seconds or even salt the game away. And that's how this one's going to end. But I'm taking Georgia 28-27. And if I'm going to talk about the run game and being able to salt it away, I'm saying Zamir White. I like Zamir White to score a couple touchdowns. I like uh, JT Daniels to throw a couple touchdowns. But I think we're looking at a 100-yard game from Zamir White, about seven a carry. And uh, he's going to get some of those on that final drive of the game when uh, when when Georgia's able to kind of move the chain some and kind of run the clock out. Uh, but that's the way I like this game to shake out. And, and I think we're going to see – I don't think it's going to be a clean game, but I think we're going to see a very exciting, well-played football game just in terms of effort and passion and energy. And I think that it's going to be, you know, obviously Alabama, Miami happens earlier in the day, but I think that the atmosphere at this one, the night game and, and everything it's going to mean, listen, I know we're going through a pandemic still. I know COVID's still out there and I want everybody to be safe, but, but that place is going to be rocking and there's going to be a lot going on, and I think it's going to be kind of a signal to college football in week one being back in a way that we really wanted to see it come back, and and, and hopefully we can get on the other side of this thing completely at some point and everybody can make good decisions going forward. Uh, I just want to ask you two, because I'm going to be in a press box. I don't know what they're going to feed me, probably some Frankfurter or something that they bought from Costco. Uh, what's, on the, what's on the grill, uh, Rusty? What are, what, are we, what are we eating? What's on the menu? Not well, for it's going to be basic because 
the problem with this is it's Labor Day and it's night, Labor Day weekend. So Monday you have to come in with your A game for the yeah. family. So probably just going to be burgers on the grill. Um, I, I think me and Kip are going to draw the short straw. We're going to be back live here after the game. So my cooler is going to look a little different. It's going to be a lot more Gatorade than anticipated. So, uh, you know, just college football as we as we tape this and, and talking about this Thursday night, look at that schedule. There's nine, ten games tonight, I think. Or 20 games tonight, nine games tomorrow, then Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I think the bigger picture is, is college football is here. Uh, but I'm going to bring my A game. I'm going to think I'm going to get into a, a brisket on Monday. But Saturday, you got you to you got to be in front of that tee. I call Saturday, Saturday is what I call a 100-calorie day because you're only going to burn 100 calories. Uh, you may not move off the couch. And uh, I'll certainly pay for that on Sunday. But looking forward <laughs> to some burgers probably Saturday. And I bring my A game uh, on, on Monday. You know, since I don't have to be on the live show, uh, wow. you know, for after the game, mm-hmm. I really hope that they that, that they at the Duke's Mayo Classic that they do it like they did at Vanderbilt a few years ago. They took all the uh, they took all the cold beer that they didn't sell and they brought it up and they said, "Hey, you guys want this?" <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I had them I had them stuffed in pockets, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I hope I hope they do that for us. But uh, let's do um, Kip, what you got on the grill? Well, we're going to go Boston butt, you mm. know, early in the day, mm. throw that thing on there. But the game day tradition in the Adams household is a couple sets of wings, different flavors, and buffalo chicken dip. Those are the, the go-to items once, once the, you know, the first kickoff of the day happens. I'm usually just munching on those throughout the day. And then, you know, once, once that, uh, you know, that, that, the t- uh, thermometer says it's uh, about, you know, 196, 197. Pull that thing off, put that thing in the cooler, wrap that thing up uh, with towels and aluminum foil and uh, hope for the best. So uh, that's usually the plan on Saturdays, weather permitting, and it's, it's looking like it's going to go pretty well this Saturday. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Kind of uh, the Kamado Joe has uh, got some cobwebs that need to be dusted off because of the <laughs> The heat, man. You can't get out there when it's this hot. When it feels like you're the one that's out there getting smoked, then it's just it's just not 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 a good time to to, to really get out there and, and have the the low and slow going all day. But you know, right now, I think I'm I'm ready to plug that flame boss in, get that thing going, and just check, watch that app all day as I, I watch that thing try to you know get get through the the uh the stall in the middle and come out the other side ready to roll man that sounds good to me and then uh producer jordan the man hey, we love this guy dude, dude says 50th surprise birthday party for his mother-in-law i, I hope she's not watching on saturday <laughs> uh 20 pounds of pork butt, 20 pounds of chicken hope she's not a hope she's not a georgia fan a dog cast fan oh, she man. is um jordan's going jordan's we're not going, saying hey hey listen up, there are a lot of jordans out there she doesn't she doesn't know, she, you know we're not gonna say his last name uh, let's see what jordan does jordan is our new producer and he also does late kick with, with josh pate and uh he has taken this thing to the next level i mean yeah we're, we're i mean the fact that us three are on live on YouTube without the police involved uh, is a victory. <laughs> it's a victory for us. Uh, but Jordan does a great job, and he's really taking this podcast to the next level. Man, I can't thank him enough. And man, he's got me hungry reading those, reading that private chat. What he's got going, and I think we would owe him a go balls for tonight. He's a huge Tennessee fan. Tennessee opens up with Bowling Green tonight. You could you could sense when Jordan got in the room with us earlier today. You could see that little game day vibe in him. He's ready to rock. 
Nobody's mm-hmm. going to mess his day up. It's a glow. He's glowing. He's, he's got that game day glow. That's what it's called. So he'll be ready to rock, and uh, we'll, we'll see what goes. I see one of the uh, comments, Brett Gaffney over there, asking us if Josh Pate's going to be at the Nashville meetup. Yeah, so yeah, that Vanderbilt yeah. game's going to get yeah. here before we know it. Is yeah. you know we'll yeah, check Josh. Josh is going to be there. He's going to bring his guns. He's bringing the guns. <laughs> if he loves dogs two four seven, he'll be there. That's the no, only, you I know. got enough. I got enough blackmail on Josh Pate. He'll he'll be at the, he'll be at our, our get up uh, up in Nashville get together. So Josh so Pate and his medium T-shirt will be there. That's right. Uh, that's at right. that uh, at, at that thing, and you know, listen, I got to talk about my game day tradition for the press box. Listen, I'm gonna get up that morning, get a couple constant items out, kind of hang out, watch some football, drink a lot of water, get myself where I got a lot of energy for the day, and uh, I will probably not eat a thing till I get to that press box. And here's why, <laughs> guys: there are cookies. And there are, and I'm not a big sweets guy, but I love cookies, uh, right? Like cookies mm, are my thing. Mm, but uh, I'm no David but, Pascal from the uh, from the Chattanooga Times. That dude ate nine cookies one time, like right oh before a Kentucky game. But there's cookies, there's halftime food, there's pregame food, there's all that stuff. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna save all the calories for then and try to knock down about three thousand in about an hour and a half there, mm. and uh, tank up, get ready for the night. Maybe hit Waffle House after the game, you know, because yeah. it'll be about two o'clock before I get out of that press box. So uh, that, that'll that be my plan. But, folks, this is all we've got for this week. By the time we talk to you next time, we'll know the winner of this game and we won't have to guess anymore. But for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place. And you all take it easy. <laughs>